If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine, Wyatt, and Justin. I'm Harry Hurley. Filling in today, uh, Guy will be back on Wednesday. Guy Benson, as you know, offers smart, fast-paced political and cultural insights from the right-leaning perspective. Guy blends major newsmaker guests, and we've got a bunch of them today, including a steady stream of Fox News all-stars, along with passionate and informed monologues. Simply put, The Guy Benson Show is one of the most relevant nationally syndicated radio talk shows in America. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show. I want to first make a quick comment, and we'll talk later about this will begin and end because the human resource, I mean, you just can't overstate how important it is. The loss of life. So many people thought that with Hurricane Ida and what a powerful punch and what happened in the Gulf Coast, that was anticipated. They pretty much knew where it was going to hit, give or take. And then you know what will happen. Either the levees will hold in New Orleans, and they did, and they, we knew that it would be catastrophic in many respects, and that many, New Orleans, everyone was out of power. Most still are, and some will be out of power, electrical power for weeks, maybe longer. And we knew that, and we knew there would be loss of life for various reasons, electrocutions, drownings, trees falling, all kinds of different reasons. What really no one expected was that as Hurricane Ida made its way out, usually when these storms come inland, they lose steam and they pretty much wither. And ultimately, as they go through, and for example, the northeast, heavy rain, get some wind, get a little bit of damage, and usually every and some flooding and things, but usually everyone will be okay. Oh, not this time. Who would believe Tornado cyclones. And this is downright personal because we had seven tornadoes in our own region in a very unusual part of the country where normally cyclonic or tornado type formation doesn't happen. And how about the tornado that ripped through Mullica Hill, New Jersey, Wednesday evening, believed to have had an EF3 rating winds up to 150 miles per hour. You ready for this one? It almost is like a movie and and couldn't possibly be real. Some kind of sci-fi movie, just stretching any credulity. The Mullica Hill tornado stretched uh, Justin and Wyatt and I. We were talking about this past couple of hours. It stretched for 12.6 miles during a span of 20 minutes duration and was as wide as 400 yards, four football fields, 12.6 miles by 400 yards, an absolute monster. It demolished everything in its path. It tore off roofs. It demolished walls. It flattened entire homes. It tossed cars like they were little Hot Wheels cars, completely obliterated one home where you wouldn't even know a home was there. Just the foundation was left. This was the remnants of Hurricane Ida. 
becoming a tornado cyclone. We have learned over the past decade to 15 years terms like derecho, bomb cyclone, all these things. So to everyone that has been affected from the Gulf Coast all the way up through the Northeast, where we know that and the number just keeps going up, people drowning in their, their basement apartments because the rush of water beyond anything that most people could handle. Some got out. Many didn't. Dozens of people. I think moments before airtime, uh, the last I talked with Justin about it, something like 49 souls gone. So as we, we begin this Labor Day weekend on The Guy Benson Show, let's put our thoughts and prayers to everyone that's been affected from the families of the 13 Marines. And remember, the Navy person that was working with the Marines, the Marines consider that person a Marine. That's the way it works. Even though their commander-in-chief let them down, and we'll be talking about that in just a moment, uh, they don't ever leave anyone behind. But our president did. So thoughts and prayers to everyone that has been affected over what has been probably, when you think about it, one of the most awful stretches of a couple of weeks that you probably can ever remember since arguably September 11th, 2001. And imagine how the Taliban is going to be celebrating that on September 11th. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot to bear, Guy Benson Show Universe. President Joe Biden has been taking a shameless victory lap what he calls his extraordinary success in Afghanistan. That's, that's a lot to bear to listen to that. How would you like to be one of those gold star moms or dads listening to Joe Biden after he didn't speak for a very extended period of time actually taking a victory lap? It is, it is stunning. But if you look at the record, Joe Biden has had a more than 40-year record of being wrong on every foreign policy issue that there is. He didn't even want Osama bin Laden captured or killed. He was even wrong about that and argued strenuously against it. This chapter represents, in my view, his most spectacular failure because in the past, he was just a blowhard that people just said, that's Joe, you don't have to even listen to that. That's nonsense. Don't forget, Barack Obama said, don't underestimate Joe Biden's ability to blank things up. It's not a proper word for me to say. Fill in the blank. That was Barack Obama saying that about Joe Biden. Not an opinionated talk show host, not, not some rabid conservative from a blog. That was Barack Obama saying that. And he meant that about everything. Joe Biden did something that I didn't even think Joe Biden was capable of doing. He left at least hundreds of Americans behind after telling George Stephanopoulos that, and I give George credit for actually pressing the question. Joe Biden said, we don't leave until every American is home. And then he left. And even left sooner than he needed to and allow the Taliban to set the terms. We were asking the Taliban for permission. This is, this is like suspension of disbelief, what's going on. 
Hundreds of Americans, I think it's more, but they admit to at least hundreds. They lie about everything. So you can imagine that number is probably even greater. They left our translators and other loyal 20-year working partners. How could Joe Biden leave the person behind that saved him when they had to do a hard landing in a helicopter in Afghanistan? It was Joe Biden. It was John Kerry, Chuck Hagel. I'm probably leaving out a person or two. He left that person behind. That person was begging. There, there, there are targets on these people. Let's not forget they deny it, but Joe Biden said it himself. They basically gave the coordinates of people. And the Taliban, don't think this is Taliban 2.0. Oh, we want women to go to school, primary and secondary. They, they were burning the schools down while they were saying those words. They are not Taliban 2.0. They are medieval. They still are. Beheading people, skinning people alive, burning people alive, destroying women. And look at everybody that's been left behind. Loyal 20-year working partners. Look at the, um, the media that we asked to go in there and help tell the story. Because that's a big part of winning. Whoever has the best story Afghanistan, Voice of America, Radio Free Liberty, uh, Radio Europe. These are hundreds of people. And in some cases, their families as well. They're left behind. Canine dogs left behind. But the Taliban is going to repurpose them and use them for their purposes. Why were they left behind? I read a thing that the DOD has a policy about dogs not being able to fly. Well, what did they do? Did they levitate? To Afghanistan, they got there. We flew them there. We can't fly them home. And then there's this. And I know Guy has talked about this. But it, it not only, you can't say it enough because it's so incredulous. Joe Biden armed the Taliban. See, even if you're against the idea of, if you're for the idea of leaving Afghanistan or against the idea of leaving Afghanistan completely, you have to look at what's the order that you do things. And when when the president who undid on day one many former President Trump executive orders and actions, when he says he inherited this, he did not inherit this. He created this. The thing about Joe Biden that is really spectacular, and I don't mean that in a good way, is he breaks things that aren't broken. He broke the southern border. And while we're all eyes on the human resource loss in the Gulf Coast, the Northeast, with Ida, and when all eyes are on Afghanistan and everything that's going on, can you imagine what is – this is such a dishonest administration – what must be going on right now at the southern border when no one's looking? It's got to be at a level – we'll look. When we look at the numbers, and even I don't believe they're numbers either – but I believe there will be a noticeable like, wow, what happened? What happened in July and August? What happened here? You know what happened here. When we weren't looking, I mean, I think that this thing went on steroids, what's been going on on a daily basis. First of all, if you're going to leave, the military are the last to go. It got so bad that instead of keeping 2,500 there until the end— He had to put 6,000 in 
when it was going terribly, we should have secured the safe passage and the Taliban would have had nothing to do with it. We should have kept Bagram because it was fortified, a military base, two, two um, landing strips, two runways, not just one. And of course, Hamid Karzai International Airport is in the center and the Taliban had control of entry. I believe we would not have lost 13 of our finest. The 13 service members, I don't believe, would have died if this would have been done. I believe that a child would have picked the correct order. If you said these are the things you do, what order would you do it? Go to a 12-year-old. All right, well, I would get all of our Americans out. Then I would get all our friends out. Then I would make sure that we either secure or destroy at least Do you remember one helicopter when it went down, the lengths that our special forces heroes went to make sure that that was completely obliterated so this would not be left to be reverse engineered and that this technology would not get into the hands of the Taliban or Iran or China? They're all going to get this. And don't even think that $85 is the number because when they start to sell whatever they want to sell – Joe Biden has armed now one of the most powerful militaries in the world with some of the most advanced equipment, well, the most advanced equipment on the planet, planes, helicopters, 20-some thousand Humvees. I I heard General Milley. I'm ashamed of him. I can't believe I've never heard a, a, a Joint Chiefs of Staff chairman ever speak like this. He said, we deactivated 27 Humvees. 27? There's 20-some thousand. 27? Even if that's true, it's nothing. Hundreds of thousands of rounds of ammunition. A hundred-plus thousand missiles. Arms. And more. How How could we allow that? How could we allow that to stay? Why didn't he do it? If he had to leave, why didn't he do it in a different order? We'll be back in just a little bit. Thanks so much for spending this portion of your day with us right here on The Guy Benson Show. Energetic, informed, fast-paced, Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to the one with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is surreal, I know, even with all the bad stuff that's happening, it is very surreal. How could it possibly be Labor Day? Everybody is saying that. How fast, even during a pandemic, even during all this other horrific bad news, the Mother Nature, the uh, Afghanistan debacle, how fast 
uh, this summer has gone by. It's Labor Day weekend on The Guy Benson Show. Harry filling in today for Guy. Guy will be back on Wednesday. I'm partnering with this amazing team of Christine Wyatt and Justin. So you know, not only am I in great hands, uh, I'm very blessed to work with this team of of amazing professionals. In the couple of minutes that we have before the bottom of the hour break, let me share with you that there's a price to pay when you colossally screw up, even when you have 90-some percent of the media shilling for you. I've, I've long predicted, and the day came true, this was just a bridge too far, something would happen that would be of such a magnitude that you could no longer wallpaper over the Biden ineptness the incoherent presidency that we've been dealing with. This guy shuffling out, squinting his eyes, reading stuff, people screaming, asking questions as he shuffles off like Artie Johnson and laughing. It's like a Carol Burnett, Harvey Corman, uh, or, or laughing, uh, Artie Johnson skit. It's Tim Conway or Artie Johnson playing the president. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. The point is you pay a price though. The American people, even if they weren't with it before, they got it now. Many polls have come out over the last several days. I'll point out two. Foxnews.com has done a great job covering this. The first poll, which is an NPR PBS NewsHour poll, has the president, Joe Biden, at 43% approval. And by the way, that's with still achieving 85% of Democrats. Now, you know, if they're telling the truth, you can't. Oh, is Joe Biden's president doing a good job? Do a good job in Afghanistan, too. Yeah. Eighty five percent of Democrats say it's tr- tremendous. That's an embarrassment. That's blatant intellectual dishonesty. There's a Maris poll that's out. The approval rating of the president even worse at forty one percent. And that's forty one percent who strongly disapprove. It's not just like a little, like I kind of, if you're told, like, do you somewhat disapprove? This is strongly disapprove. These numbers are very bad. And they are, they're actually higher than they should be. That's the reality. They shouldn't be even in the low 40 percentile. But that's the way that it is. We're going to step aside for just a little bit, but please don't go away. The Guy Benson Show on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker line in just a few minutes will be Miranda Devine. Remember, she has the Hunter Biden laptop. She has a book that's coming out in the very near future. And she is not only a tremendous New York Post columnist, but also a great Fox News contributor. And we'll be speaking about Joe Biden. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Afghanistan, and more. So don't go away. This is The Guy Benson Show.
Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. Welcome back. Partnering with Christine White and Justin, I'm Harry, and it's an honor to be here for Guy. Guy will be back on Wednesday, and a great friend of the Guy Benson Show, one of the most talented members of the media today. Uh, that is both in print and uh, her work on television and radio as well. Miranda Devine is here, uh, a New York Post columnist, a great one, also uh, a Fox News contributor, and her book, I Cannot Wait, I Cannot Wait, and then we will see, because this should really, if you think about like what Woodward gets, I was just talking to Justin about this off air, he puts out a book and gets millions of dollars of basically in-kind contributions uh, in free uh, media. This book, Laptop from Hell, if you haven't purchased it, it's available at all the usual suspects. Release date is Tuesday, November 30th. If you do what I did, I ordered it um, on my Amazon Prime. They guarantee ship. Uh, shipping that it will go out on the day of release, um, which is November 30th. That's a Tuesday. Laptop from hell, Hunter Biden, big tech, and the dirty secrets the president tried to hide. But he's not going to get away with it because Miranda Devine has the goods. Uh, And also a great column uh, that's just a few days old on the New York Post uh, website, Joe Biden's call to Afghan president is impeachable. I completely concur And Miranda, welcome back to Guy's program. Hi, Harry. Great to talk to you again. Thanks for your kind words. All the best with everything that I said. You've earned it. And if President Donald Trump and President Vladimir Zelensky, if that call was impeachable, how does the President Biden and Afghanistan President Ghani telephone call rate? Well, you know, I I wasn't for... Uh, impeaching President Trump. And so, you know, I'm not really for impeaching this president over a phone call. But if you uh, put them side by side, basically, they're both self-serving. And Joe Biden's phone call with the Afghanistan President Ghani was far more damaging to the national interest. I mean, he basically asked uh, President Ghani to lie uh, on his own behalf, so that he could have the perception that things in Afghanistan were not going as terribly as they were, that the Taliban wasn't about to overrun the capital, um, it, just to give that perception so that Joe Biden could get through his self-imposed deadline of pulling out troops of August 31st, which, of course, was all about giving him a boasting platform on September 11 to say that on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, he was the only president who was able to pull the troops out and end the forever wars. And the amazing thing, Miranda, is no one, basically, except Fox News and, and of course, you and print and, and some of the people that are intellectually honest have covered it. None of the major networks have even covered about this phone call. They went gavel to gavel when it was Trump Zelensky. And I agree with you. I, I didn't think, of, of course, my former boss, I didn't think he did anything to get impeached. And yet they did it. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have, I would say the same thing you said, that I don't think this would be something. What we've done is we've destroyed the impeachment was something that, I mean, it it shouldn't be used like this. It's it's awful. It's a weapon now. It's been weaponized. 
But he did. Biden did on this, and, and the audio was heard. The, the transcript exists. They all know it. The people that are being intellectually dishonest and not reporting it, they know that the president of the United States asked the Afghan president to lie and say that things are better than they are, quote unquote, even if they're not. That's that is as brazen yeah. as it gets. Yeah. Whether it's true or not. Was yeah. The exact quote. Wow. I mean, that is that is breathtaking. And certainly it, it deserves to be covered. Is this just going to wither on the vine and just just go away? Well, look, Reuters uh, got the scoop and uh, they released a, a partial transcript. And so the story did get some legs. But of course, um, as with everything, bad news about Joe Biden gets buried and good news gets highlighted. He has had a blow, though, to his uh, poll ratings because of Afghanistan, because it was so botched, because there was no way of hiding it, because he left Americans behind, because 13 of our brave troops were killed because of the stupidity of getting rid of Bagram Air Force before you've evacuated civilians. Um, all of that, uh, the blood is on his hands, and in no uncertain terms, that's what at least five of the Gold Star family told him. Uh, and then, you know, he, he checked his watch during the uh, ceremony, or it's not a ceremony, but, you know, the dignified transfer at Dover Air Force Base of those coffins. Um, and he, he just seemed callous when he met with the families. Now, all of that built through to particularly independent voters, and you're seeing that in the polling. And I think that's quite shaken up. Uh, the White House, because they're not used to that. You know, you see now Jen Psaki uh, being very defensive and hostile when she's asked, you know, softball questions. She never really is asked difficult questions apart from one or two. Um, you know, Peter Ducey, for instance, from Fox News and uh, the New York Post, Stephen Nelson. We're the only ones who really ask ask him any questions that are difficult. But um, he, he has been getting a little bit of a tough time from the press corps over Afghanistan. And I think that's fed into this, you know, plummeting. I mean, he's now down the latest I've seen, 42% and 43%, uh, you know, uh, unpopularity levels. So that's really not what he was expecting. And I think it's because for a lot of Americans who were fooled during the campaign that Joe Biden was a man of empathy, compassion, great uh, skill and expertise, particularly in foreign policy with his long experience in the Senate. Um, and he promised that he was going to unify the country and he was going to, quote, restore America's soul. And people who really didn't pay attention very very much to what was really the truth about Joe Biden, bought that story. And uh, I think that they've been sorely disappointed with the reality of Joe Biden, who's a man who was never really of good character, was never really full of empathy, uh, who really was all about himself, and uh, also is now cognitively declining quite significantly. So I think that makes people a bit worried they think who the hell is in charge. Yeah, exactly. And I think we've seen the polls even before this bad news where a majority of the American people do not believe that he is in charge. That is something that if that continues to persist, that will become, I believe, debilitating for his presidency. Miranda Devine is on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline, the distinguished New York Post columnist and Fox News contributor. What is your take? I, I, chutzpah comes to mind, and that's not even strong enough. 
anyone that's been objective about what Biden has done, President Biden has done in Afghanistan, knows this is abject failure, really the likes of which we've never seen. I don't even have time to go through the litany of things that were wrong, including obviously making the Taliban now one of the mightiest armies on the planet because he didn't secure or at least destroy. I mean, this is a child would have done this thing in a completely different order, and we wouldn't even be talking about this right now. But he does all these things wrong, spectacularly wrong, Miranda, and he has the gall multiple times. It wasn't like it was just a one-off and he just, oh my God, I can't believe I said that, and he never said it again. He keeps saying what an extraordinary success his plan (laughs) has been. That is just unbelievable. But that's his MO, Harry. That's what he does. It's always been about perception over reality. I mean, you, you see, he's a fabulist. He tells lies. He tells tall tales. He always has. We just saw it um, this, yesterday when he uh, pretended that he had been at the Tree of Life synagogue after that massacre, that mass shooting. Um, he said he was there and the synagogue said he was not there and the White House has admitted he wasn't there. He, this is throughout his history, uh, right from his college days when he was uh, almost thrown out for uh, plagiarising. Uh, he then, you know, one of his presidential bids was blown up because he was plagiarising, pretending uh, that he was like Neil Kinnock from the UK, you yep. know, descended from generations of coal miners. Um, he, he has always done this. And I mean, it's a pathological passion. I don't know what is wrong with him that he does it. It's not as if it's just because of cognitive decline. He's always uh, decided that he could say whatever he liked and that people yes. would believe it. And he's gotten away with it. And so that's why he just figures, well, I'll just do the same with Afghanistan. Sure, it might have been an abject failure, but if I say and I get my generals to say and my Secretary of State and the media to agree with me that it was an extraordinary success, then it will be an extraordinary success. He doesn't have a grasp of reality and truth. What's so sad is we're approaching 20 years in just basically a handful of days uh, since September 11, 2001. Really hard to believe. Uh, Justin and I talked about it right before airtime that it's hard to believe that it's been 20 years, but it has. And right before the 20th year, we had the Taliban celebrating the, quote, surrender of America, the defeat of the mighty American military and Joe Biden. They're wearing our military uniforms. They have our weapons, our planes, our helicopters, our Humvees, weapons, uh, missiles, I mean, ammunition by the something like 300,000 rounds or more. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. And you can imagine, Miranda, on September 11th, they will be, I mean, propaganda, they will be celebrating, rubbing it in at a level that will be very hard to take. What are your thoughts about what the Taliban is going to be doing? Look, I really think that we ought to be bracing ourselves for exactly that. Um, and not not to mention, I mean, the terror threat now at home has yep. risen. What we just saw in New Zealand um, in the last 48 hours, uh, a man who was inspired by ISIS, you remember that, has gone into a supermarket there and uh, stabbed a whole lot of people before he was shot dead by police. Um, And, you you know, you see Joe Biden has decided to come to New York on 9-11 to um, 
you know, participate in the commemoration here. And I, I don't think that will be particularly well received. Agreed. Particularly, as you say, we're going to see in Afghanistan, the Taliban are going to be rubbing it in. They already are. You know, they paraded around the other day with flag-draped fake coffins, doing a fake funeral, mocking uh, our military fallen um, and then that, that military parade that they did with our Humvees you know, our equipment um, our weapons and right. as well they had a, um, a, a you know a, a, a whole lot of suicide vests that they were displaying, I mean that's terrifying, that is the, the terror that they exported around the world and they export you know, to Australia, to England, to all of America's allies and to America's home Incredible. Two-minute drill, Miranda. I want to shift gears. This will sort of touch on Laptop from Hell, which is your great book that I wish you amazing success. I know it's going to be an incredible bestseller, and you deserve it. You've earned it. A question that I've been waiting to pose to you on that is, is the Hunter Biden laptop worse than we know? You know. We don't know. Is it worse than we know? It's a lot worse in one sense, and it's not as bad in a in a more trivial sense. Um, I mean, look, there's been a lot of misinformation about the sex um, on the the laptop. There is a lot of porn. There's a lot of uh, nudity. There's a lot of sex that uh, Hunter Biden films himself and and various of his partners. But there is no underage uh, sex. And that, I think, has been something that's really distracted from the true crimes on the laptop, which are ones of uh, corruption and foreign uh, dealings. So um, there is so much that you wouldn't believe. I mean, my mind was blown as I was going through. I would have to stop occasionally and just shake my head and think, Mm. did I really see this? You know, Hunter Biden was a, a, a crackhead. He was a very dissolute person with a really debauched lifestyle, incapable of really holding down a job. And yet he was right in the centre of the power structures of China and Russia. He was in the very inside of some of the biggest geostrategic energy deals that that you know would have shaken up the world. One in particular was only foiled uh, because of, of American uh, during the Trump administration some American interference. Um, but Hunter Biden and his uncle Jim Biden, in one sense, uh, were right in the centre of that, and so was Joe Biden. This story is not about Hunter or Jim Biden or the rest of the family, it is really about Joe Biden because none of this money, these millions of dollars, none of these high-powered deals in China, the oligarchs who are lining up to line uh, the Biden pockets, none of that would have happened if Joe Biden hadn't been the vice president. He, he, he and his family leveraged the, the power that he had in the countries that he had carriage over to make money for the family, and Joe Biden was up to his neck in it. I mean, he was part of the deal. Um, I cannot, Miranda, I cannot wait until your book lands. 30 seconds, and we've got to go. Heartbreak in 30 seconds. Is there any doubt? Can you qualify? Can you quantify? Can you say for sure that the big guy is Joe Biden? Is there any doubt about that? No doubt at all. And uh, that's because we have Tony Bobulinski, for one thing, has specified that he was there. Secondly, I have um, on the laptop several times that 
Joe Biden is referred to as the big guy or my chairman, uh, referred to by name. Uh, Then there are a whole lot of WhatsApp messages from uh, Tony Boblinski and other of Hunter's partners are describing Joe as big guy, my chairman. Uh, Miranda, and also, we, we, we have to yeah. jump. We'll continue next time. Have a great weekend. Good to be with Terrific. you, Miranda. Thanks, Harry. You too. You're welcome. Bye. You are fantastic. This is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Still too many have not gotten vaccinated. And it's creating a lot of unease in our economy and around our kitchen tables. Today's report shows that the steps we've taken... Passing the rescue plan and vaccinating 175 million people make our economy capable of growing and adding jobs even in the face of this continuing Delta surge. A strength in our economy very different from the way things were last winter. There's no question the Delta variant is why today's job report isn't stronger. I know people were looking and I was hoping for a higher number. So when it's higher, he takes full credit. When it's lower, he always blames someone else. It's like when he said the buck stops with me on Afghanistan when Peter Ducey got him. And then a second later, he blames President Trump and he blames the Afghan army. Here, this this wasn't just a miss. And let's remember now, this is the month of July. This This should be a slam dunk. There were people forecasting over a million jobs. The consensus was 720,000 jobs would be created in July. We created 235,000 jobs. That is missing by miles. And remember, he takes credit for numbers when he compares them against the height of a very challenging pandemic, even before... The vaccine was available in some cases and comparing it. Everybody else in business and industry compares 2020 for the month of July to 2019, not 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 2020, which was a lost year. So that is typical projection. That's typical dishonesty. It's it's an absolutely dishonest response. This is a very poor result for what should have been a very strong month of a strong summer that business and industry is having, even with so many employees that companies need that they can't hire. This is The Guy Benson Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Justin. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy, who will be back On Wednesday, on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker line is a Fox News contributor, a very, very talented one at that, and a great columnist for foxnews.com. And we're going to be reviewing one of Liz's latest uh, columns, opinion pieces, just a few days ago at foxnews.com. If you haven't checked it out, you'll hear about it in this interview, but uh, go on on the website foxnews.com and check out Liz Peek, Biden's weaknesses versus Trump's strength. Here's what the difference means to our enemies. It really is a definitive piece about the difference between the former immediate past president and the current president. Liz, welcome to The Guy Benson Show. 
Hey, thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure, and I love this column because you really do cover the important things. And what I think is also a bit interesting, and, and tell me if if you come to this conclusion, even supposedly Joe Biden's strengths are pretty weak at the moment. Trump's weaknesses are well-established. People, you know, mean tweets, you know, orange man, all these things. But there's never any doubt that he operated I thought Reagan-esque with peace through strength, demonstrating America is strong, never portraying America as weak. Biden is supposed to be Mr. Empathetic. He's not coming off that way with Afghanistan. Uh, and he's extremely weak uh, in terms of his foreign policy decisions over the past six, seven months, whatever it's been. What do you conclude? <laughs> Maybe the last 40 years. Well, that's, that's true. What people, that's what people who have watched his career uh, take away, is that he really has been wrong on every major policy decision. It's not just one or two people who says that, but almost everyone who's worked with them. Look, I think uh, we had in this Afghanistan debacle an incredibly clear vision of everything that is wrong with Joe Biden. He is weak. He has no foreign policy. He has no greater vision, which incorporates the greatness of America, our military strength, our economic might, etc. I think, look, Trump was flawed. We can all agree with that. Let's put that to one side for a moment. What he did understand was that those things are very important to our standing in the world and to the safety of the world. That's really the point. Obama by the way, was in the same mold as Joe Biden, in my view. Uh, if you remember, he was always creating red lines and then crossing them himself yep. and then turning to people like Vladimir Putin to bail him out. I mean, that's one of the great untold stories of the Obama administration that, yeah, you know, we asked Putin to come in and get rid of all the poison gas in Syria so that Obama didn't have to take any measures uh, in retaliation for the horrendous things that Assad was up to. I, I start this piece with recalling the most one of the more wonderful scenes of the Trump presidency, in my view, which is when he invited Xi Jinping, President Xi of, of China, whom he had not met before, to visit Mar-a-Lago for their first one-to-one uh, get-together. And dinner the first night, big state dinner, very uh, elegant. Over the chocolate cake, he announces that we've sent 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles to bomb uh, Syria. It was the most wonderful moment of laying it on the line and saying to who is the man who is undoubtedly our greatest adversary, undoubtedly the greatest threat to America and to the Western world in general, we are in charge. We've got the cards and we are not afraid to play them. Uh, I thought it was absolutely masterful. And by the way, it was a moment where Trump listened to his advisors. H.R. Uh, McMaster uh, laid down various options for him to pursue. Jim Mattis also was in on that. And Trump listened to him. I mean, one of the things that Biden did, in my view, in this Afghanistan horror, is he didn't listen to anybody. Unimaginably, Joe Biden thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, whereas almost every (laughs) independent assessment would conclude that's not even close to being true. So I think think it was a, a contrast worth noting because it really puts into very stark relief, as you say, the weaknesses of this current president. Look, anyone watching him knows that he's in decline, Um, I think, cognitively, but I don't think that's the end of the problem. I think a lot of Americans witnessed over the last two weeks 
that the qualities they were supposed to vote for, his honor, his decency, his honesty, just don't exist. And, and many of us were writing about the, the enormous numbers of lies that Joe Biden has put out there over his career. Right. Uh, it's not a secret that he is, you know, not an honest person. But now and Liz, only he Americans said he was, Liz, he said he was honest. He's been dishonest <laughs> his entire true. career. He said, I will always tell you the truth. The guy that has never basically told the truth. Yeah. Let me go back to, to a comment that I made because it's going to allow you to expand even further. And that was a great, great opening right there. I said seven months of Joe Biden because the 40 years, he really had no power. He was either one of 100 or a weak vice president. Even Obama, who was a paper tiger and very weak, said never underestimate. And you know this. You've written it. You've talked yeah. about it in interviews. Never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to blank you know, something up, anything up. He, was, he didn't even want bin Laden captured or killed. He's wrong about everything. But my reason for saying seven months, Liz, and I'd like you to comment on this, is even if you don't believe and most Americans don't believe that he's in charge, at least in name, you know, name only, he is the president. Yeah. Now he actually has power. That's what I mean. This is a dangerous yeah. presidency. Your thoughts? No, I, I totally agree. Dangerous in the sense that our adversaries undoubtedly are taking the pulse of America right now, and they're finding that it's pretty weak. And we've seen that in the media coverage of this Afghanistan exit uh, in China, in Russia, we are being mocked. Uh, that's yeah. really not good. I mean, it, it is pretty fascinating that Trump was supposed to be the uh, president that really sort of lessened our image on the world, world stage or our standing on the world stage. Boy, I don't think anything has clobbered um, our, the respect that foreign governments and foreign people have for the United States more than what has taken place in the last two weeks. Enemies and allies alike are looking at us, including people in Germany and UK and so forth, and just just shocked at at how ghastly this was. And, and you know, it's not just what we did; it's the incompetence of how we did it. Uh, as as many people have said, yeah, Americans are favorable, uh, are favorably inclined to getting out of Afghanistan. A lot of people are ready to do that. There's no question. How we did it is the problem, and exactly. then how Biden lied about it and covered it up, and the fact that he and Antony Blinken and all these people are still turning their backs on the American people and walking away from questions. How dare they? Yeah. How dare they not be accountable to the American people? It is. I mean, honestly, it is shocking to me it is. Uh, how callously they have been Liz, uh, treating they, this. They left Americans. They left translators. Yes, they, they left other working partners. They left all the media people that helped us. They left them and their families. They left the dogs, the canine dogs. And, of course, Joe Biden armed the Taliban, and now they are one of the most powerful militaries in the world. Give people an idea, when you leave planes and helicopters and missiles and weapons and 20-some thousand Humvees and all kinds of stuff, any American military uniforms that they're parading around in, they could even on the battlefield, they could confuse, they could use that uh, very effectively uh, and, and, and actually get away with impersonating that they're Americans. They could, they could commit heinous crimes and blame America for committing the crime. There's just so many things that I think people haven't thought of. How it sounds like so Captain Obvious, but how dangerous is the Taliban armed as they now are? Well, I, I, look, I mean, I think the Afghanistan situation is this: there are many competing 
terrorist groups in the country. We will not know till after the fact how organized they are, how powerful they are, uh, whether they have partnered with the Taliban. I mean, it's one thing to say we have over-the-horizon capability. That doesn't really extend to having information about what's going on in this country. And by the way, it's not just Afghanistan. Pakistan is an equally... Uh, what do you, can you say, uh, equal cauldron of terrorist activity uh, and groups. So the two of them combined are now uh, a pretty serious threat to their yeah. region, for sure. Even China and Russia are taking account of that. And Liz, uh, aren't they going to sell some of this stuff to Iran, to China? It certainly could happen. The reverse engineer. They're going to have all this for money. They they need money more than armaments now, uh, arguably. So that's a pretty good prospect. Um, Look, uh, the world has become a a, a more dangerous place because of what has taken place. And you know, just as a side note, and this is not particularly germane, possibly, but I I love hearing all these Democrats talking about, oh my God, the cost of this war: two trillion dollars over twenty years. These are the people wanting to spend $5 trillion now. Yeah. I mean, give me a break. They it's, have, it's, it's just such unbelievably complete hypocrisy. And let us agree that if those two, that $2 trillion outlay actually prevented any new major large-scale attacks on the American homeland, so be it. Money worth spending. Uh, we'll see if that record continues. I do not have much optimism that it will. You are listening to Fox News contributor and a columnist at foxnews.com, Liz Peake, on the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline. Solve this riddle for us, Liz, in terms of we couldn't get all of our Americans out before we cut and ran and surrendered. They're acting like we're in a stronger position, meaning Biden, Saki, and all these provocateurs. They're lying to the American people. Yeah, we're very strong. We, I mean, we're going to get them all. We didn't get them when we were there. How How— how much leverage do we have when we're not there? No, no chance, no leverage at all. The only way we will get any Americans out, I presume, is basically in, uh, as the Taliban acts as though these Americans are hostages, demands a ransom payment that's right. uh, for their release, and that's but basically what we'll do. And, and by the way, it will not be transparent. We will not be told about it. Uh, you know, these, these facts will emerge after the fact, I'm assuming. Uh, but you can be pretty sure that pallets of cash, we've heard that before, are on their way to securing the deliverance of some of these Americans. I hope so, because I want them out. But the fact that that's the way we're going to go about it is pretty appalling. I think we can conclude from reading your opinion piece at foxnews.com that Biden's perceived strengths are also weaknesses. His perceived weaknesses are spectacularly so, (laughs) and that Trump doesn't get credit for his strengths. And the things that he gets blamed for typically don't get people killed. I I think that that's, it sounds harsh, but I think that's a, a fair statement. No, I think that is fair. And look, appeasement has never worked. Appeasement to bullies and terrorists is especially heinous because they will simply take advantage of that, as we have seen. So there is no there is no good outcome here. The, the administration can basically put a lid on this, refuse to talk about it. But over the coming weeks and months, there are going to be horror stories, unfortunately, of people allied with the United States, dedicated people who worked to help the United States while we were in Afghanistan, who will be murdered. And the press probably won't cover it, the liberal press. We have to 
hope that uh, Fox News and other organizations do, because Americans need to be reminded what the true cost of backing down before our enemies, taking a knee, if yes. you will, uh, it means. And it's, it's Liz, a pretty severe one. Liz, final minute, and then we have a hard break. And I, 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 I think this is true, but I will trust you if you tell me that it's not. Joe Biden very, very much resembling Jimmy Carter, the Iran uh, hostage crisis. I think we're in a similar situation here with what Joe Biden has done with botching Afghanistan and leaving. They admit to hundreds. We don't even know. They admit to hundreds of Americans. Can you draw a parallel between the weakness of Jimmy Carter and, of course, the ascent of Ronald Reagan after that and Joe Biden over the past couple of weeks? Well, I think so. And and here's why. Americans do not like to have our country humiliated. And we have been humiliated. They don't like seeing Americans die or be put in uh, in jeopardy by the foolish acts of a weak president. The, the parallels are enormous. By the way, I wrote a piece comparing them literally months and months ago, because there are so many things happening right now yep. that remind me of that terrible time. So yes, I agree it- with you. Ten seconds. Is is the Taliban going to have a parade and rub it in our face on September 11th? Without a doubt. Agreed. Liz Peake, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Take care. You too. We're going to be right back in just a little bit. Much more important content straight ahead because this is The Guy Benson Show. Energetic, informed, fast-paced. Guy Benson Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. You know what that means. Oh, yes, it's another happy edition of the Guy Benson Show, Woke Tales. Truth is always stranger than fiction, and especially in the bizarro world that we are operating under right now. These bizarro world rules are almost beyond comprehension. In other words, the crazier something sounds, the more you just immediately gravitate and say, that is true. A normal statement will turn out to be false. The craziest of all used to be you could do a good job of multiple choice tests by knocking out two of the things and you get down to one or two, a 50-50 shot, you, you can't anymore because what's going on right now challenges our ability to comprehend. Dateline San Francisco, you remember the school board that wanted to take down George Washington and all the greats, literally take them off schools, paint over iconic murals. They're, they're so crazy it's, it's hard to even imagine. They're hard to cover. It's so crazy. San Francisco, Dateline, all over again. Here's what they want to do. Follow along because I promise you this is not an April Fool's joke in September on Labor Day weekend on The Guy Benson Show. This is truth. San Francisco wants to pay people to not shoot others. And guess what? If you demonstrate that you're somebody who could get shot, you get paid to not get shot. $300 if you're a high-risk individual and you don't shoot someone. Now, I don't know. I'm an identical twin brother of a retired police officer. 
I always believed that if you have a high-risk individual, you deal with that high-risk individual. If you, if you believe that they either have committed crimes, violent crimes, obviously they believe that these are people that would be capable of shooting people, so they bear watching, of course. Why would you take the approach only in woke tales, in woke, broke, joke America? Would there ever be, and they could call it a pilot program, call it whatever you want. Imagine paying people to not shoot someone and flip side paying other people to not get shot yes these are the ideas that come when you are in the process of trying to destroy the greatest we're not a democracy we're a democratic republic a representative republic the greatest representative republic in the history of the world because i can promise you this will not work you cannot pay people to not shoot someone. You cannot pay people. They will, but it cannot work. And if it's a pilot program, it will fail spectacularly. Deal with them at a police level. And if it's a mental health issue, deal with them at that level. Much more straight ahead. This is The Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Guy Benson. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Justin. I am Harry Hurley, filling in just for today. Guy will be back on Wednesday. This is The Guy Benson Show. We're going to be talking about, and this is really, I don't know, ironic, uh, just a similar observation, whatever you want to call it. But I have been saying for quite a while, some have called the president a hologram. In other words, like he's really not there and you should look to see if he flickers. Uh, Some have said weekend at Bernie's because it's on strings and even right down to the sunglasses. And United States Congresswoman Kat Kamek has reiterated her strong belief that President Joe Biden should resign over the various just botched decisions and just, I don't think you could have done worse. I'm trying to think of something that you could say, well, at least this went good. They're trying to take credit for an evacuation that never needed to be that way. You you don't get credit for that, for messing something up, and then you take credit for the mess on the way out. So Representative Kamek very much uh, believes that he needs to go and that he should resign. He will not. I, I, I will almost guarantee you that. He will not. And during an appearance just a couple of days ago on Fox & Friends, the United States Representative, Kat Kamek, said the president is to be compared to the 1989 film Weekend at Bernie's. And that's obviously uh, pretty overtly telling you that Biden is more not there than and just a figurehead and and controlled and so on and so forth. So very, very interesting. And I am very pleased, and we've had the privilege to uh, interview Representative Kamek in the past on The Guy Benson Show, uh, the distinguished congresswoman from Florida and the third legislative congressional district, rather, of the great state of Florida, Representative Kat Kamek, 
joins the program. Congresswoman, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. Hey, good to be with you. Thank you so much. Happy Friday. Good to be with you. We we have at least one thing in common, and you're a congresswoman, I'm not, so it's not that. But we have <laughs> we have this in common. I have referred to Joe Biden many times as the weekend at Bernie's presidency, right down to the sunglasses. <laughs> Well, I, you know, it's funny that you say that because it actually kind of just hit me in the middle of an interview when people were asking me I, what my thought was and, and, you know, should we be scared of, of a Biden presidency or a Harris presidency? I said, quite frankly, I'd take weekend at Bernie's over a, uh, uh, a Harris presidency and apparently it stuck. But I, now that I think back on it, it has been pretty, uh, it's pretty apropos to describe what has been playing out for the last eight, nine months. Without a doubt. I mean, it, it has so many similarities. I mean, when he, for example, at, at different press events, when he either slips or he just says it, whatever, he'll say, well, they told me to call on and then he apologizes and says, I'm going to get in trouble. I can't, they don't want me to take any questions. I mean, this is the president of the United States. This is the leader of the free world. He is, I've mm-hmm. also used this expression, Congresswoman Kamek, he's a spectator at his own presidency. <laughs> that's, that's very accurate. You know, and when you look, I mean, just the body language, if you, if you ever find yourself with insomnia and, and want to engage in a mind-numbingly boring exercise, pull up YouTube and, and mute his speeches. Because, I mean, you're, it's, it's all garbage anyway, but, you know, you, you can watch his body language. And what is projected is someone who is often confused, someone who is clearly struggling for, for words, um, someone who kind of gets lost. We've seen times where he'll try to turn and look for someone who isn't there, um, looking around for assistance from staff. Um, it's the body language is not confident. It doesn't project uh, someone, a leader who is saying, you know, I'm here, I'm ready to lead. I'm, I, I've got my stuff together. I'm prepared. It is a blundering, confused, weak, often frail um, image that we are presented with. And for that to be the face of America is, is pretty concerning. And obviously we're seeing the effects that it's having on our credibility around the globe. I mean, the actions speak for themselves. I mean, the, what they have done has caused irreparable harm. But, mm. you know, when you just take any issue, how it's delivered, how it's handled, it's, it's pretty scary times for us. It's true. And I agree with you on another point. I'm not just being agreeable to agree. I, I have also stated this publicly <laughs> that even saying weekend at Bernie's, which means that we're saying that the president, the president is absent at his own presidency, but we will take weekend at Bernie's over a potential President Harris because I find her very, very dangerous completely unqualified. That's another one that's very scary. I mean, in serious moments, she laughs. And that's not just once where anybody's capable of having a bad moment. This is more than a tick. This seems to be like a a part of her makeup where when you should not be laughing, she has a laugh that does not inspire confidence and, in fact, is deeply disturbing. So I will take Joe Biden over Kamala Harris and that's pretty scary. Yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. I mean, at least Weekend at Bernie's, you know, they dance. 
Um, but he's, uh, hey, look, he's got nice aviator sunglasses on. They've got the hand on the rope, and they move it up and down. He can wave, and you know, it's almost like do no harm. I mean, yeah, I think you could take yeah. take the one over the other. Uh, exactly. In terms, exactly. Now, you call for him uh, for his presidency to be over uh, because of the the botching of Afghanistan. I I don't know how he could have done worse. He, I mean, how do you how do you pick the order of events, taking the military out, letting the Taliban uh, control the um, the airport, picking the wrong airport that has half the capacity and is in the center of town over a fortified military base with two um, mm-hmm. landing strips, Runway. uh, runways rather right. And so you look at all of this, and of course, after the human resource value, which is paramount, he armed the Taliban with eighty five billion plus in planes, trains, and automobiles, and, and Humvees, and, and weapons, and missiles. and I mean, this is really beyond comprehension that mm-hmm. we're where we are right now. It, it truly is. And and you you could put the most junior planner yes. on, on this mission to uh, leave Afghanistan, and it wouldn't have been this bad. That much has been made clear. And when you look at the transcript of the conversation between Biden and Ghani, it was clear then at the beginning of July that they knew they had problems, they had issues, but it, it, they were more concerned about the perception and they were more concerned about achieving the political goal rather than actually getting Americans out in a safe and orderly fashion. And they knew that the Taliban was advancing quickly. I think that that level of deception is reason enough for resignations to be demanded. Um, I know that in my district, my constituents are all calling for impeachment. Uh, They want to see the 25th Amendment invoked. I mean, there's a, a litany of things that we have heard from across America that, you know, people want answers. They want accountability. They want transparency. And absolutely, we are going to be going for it. But there is also the reality that Republicans don't have the votes. We are four votes shy uh, in the House, and Nancy Pelosi is king. You know, she is the one who has made the decision that Congress shouldn't reconvene to deal with Afghanistan. I think that is absolutely insane. We've called publicly for us to go back into session to deal with Afghanistan because that clearly the administration can't and or won't. And, and, and the, Congresswoman, our, our speaker, our noble speaker, has mm-hmm. done everything you just said, keeping, keeping you out of session on purpose, and she has actually praised the actions of President Biden. That's incredible. Yes, yes. Yes. You know, at one point in time, we were in a we were in a briefing. It was not a classified briefing. Um, it was a, a high level discussion with Secretary Blinken, SecDef Austin, General Milley. And we had uh, both Republicans and Democrats on the call. Speaker Pelosi had the first uh, opportunity to speak after the briefing. And she praised the administration. Glowing remarks. Not one one poor critical thing to say and went so far as to say it appears that things are in a good place. Everyone just has to get to the airport. Wow. Yeah, I I about fell out of my chair. But then they also sent out emails telling people not to go to the airport. We cannot promise safe passage. This was such a, a disaster 
at so many levels that it just it just should not be. I mean, we surrendered to the Taliban and and we were beholden to them to to their kindness if they would decide to let our people. We know that Americans were denied to be able to get through. I predict, oh, yeah. and, I, and I think you're going to agree with this. And we're we're visiting with Congresswoman Kat Kamek on the Guy Benson Show, Newsmaker Hotline from Florida's 3rd Congressional District, and we're talking about this debacle of how the president has handled Afghanistan. And then, by the way, he he, he wants credit and says it again and again and again, the extraordinary success. He's not admitting. I mean, you can't fix a mistake if you're claiming a, a, an extraordinary success. But what are the chances? I don't know. We couldn't get all of our Americans and our allies, even the canine dogs, and, and the media people, we couldn't get them out while we had the military there. We have no yeah. leverage now. No, no, you know, and and I have said repeatedly, the mission continues for us. Uh, Joe Biden can say that this was a successful mission. It's complete all day long. Uh, but we know the reality. You know, our team has been working 24-7 to bring our Americans home. I actually just prior to dialing into this show was on the phone with the Joint Chiefs um, trying to find ways that we can get the aircraft that we have chartered uh, to, to get it to land and looking for evacuation routes because there's conflicting messages coming out of the State Department. In one day, we have received emails from state saying, shelter in place, don't go anywhere, yes. it's not safe. Yep. And then an hour later, they say, you need to get out of Afghanistan. Go anywhere you can. And as long as you've got a visa and a, and a passport, go on your merry little way. Conflicting messaging. They don't respond to members of Congress. People have just stopped answering their phones altogether. There needs to be resignations at the highest level. I think Secretary Blinken is a great start yep, um, yep. if we're going to restore the faith that the American people need to have in our government to move forward. Congresswoman, what about this, though? What, what if we find out that the advice he got was not what he did? What if he got advice to do it in the order that we would normally, a normal, sane person would, would have our Americans and our translators and our other working partners and the media and the canine dogs, we get everybody out, the human and even the animal soldiers. We would get them all out. Then we would secure, and if we had to, if it was just too much, we would destroy how we ever left them with all this military capacity. I, I will never be able to figure this out, and I don't know what excuse. They don't even get asked, how could you do this? How could they be one of the most well-armed militaries in the world right now so are we ever going to get the truth? They lie about everything. I think there's, I think there's going to be a, a management of expectations for the next few months while the Democrats control the House, quite frankly. Um, I think people talk a big game of, you know, hey, we're going to be able to get answers right away. That's just that's not true. This administration yeah. and, and Nancy Pelosi will do everything they can while they control the House, the Senate and the White House. Yep to deflect and deny and cover up and do all those things. So we've already started putting in plan in place a plan that 
one, preserves all the records from the intelligence community, two, gets a full accounting of inventory and the plan to destroy it. Um, for the things that aren't operational or that, quite frankly, the Taliban doesn't have the expertise to operate, we know that's going to end up on the black market. Yep. How are we tracking that? How are we following up on that? We can't let this stuff fall through the cracks because I'll be damned if our American soldiers have to turn around and fight a war against uh, a terrorist organization using American weaponry. And wearing our uniforms, too, Congresswoman. They're wearing the American military uniform, and they're going to have some kind of parade with our equipment and our uniforms on September 11th. I know it's coming. It's it's just it's almost too much to bear, and it's self-inflicted. Here's what I feel. Although a year and four months is a lifetime, as you know, in, in politics, but in any with nothing bad happening, the average midterm election of a president first term, you lose 28 seats. That, that's been forever. And we've we've seen 60 some seats with Obama, 40 some seats. So Republicans are going Republicans are going to have the majority in at least the House. Then I feel yeah. like we have a chance in terms of investigations, we'll have the committee chairs again, subpoena power again. 30 yeah. seconds, closing comment on that. I think you're going to see one of the most aggressive Republican-led houses you've ever seen. We are hungry and we are angry, and we have the backing of the American people to go after this administration and anyone who is complicit with leaving Americans behind. We do not leave people behind, and there will be absolutely heads rolling because we will not accept anything less than resignations or impeachment. We have been visiting with United States Congresswoman Kat Kamek. Thank you, and uh, until we meet again, continued success. Thank you, Harry. Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Because when she succeeds and her colleagues succeed, we succeed as Americans. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is The Guy Benson Show. You're listening to a new generation of talk. Generation of talk. Guy Benson. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Welcome back to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Justin. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today, just today, and Guy will be back on Wednesday. This is The Guy Benson Show. You all know that there is a special election, a recall election in the great state of California, and it's gone all over the place. At one point early, Gavin Newsom had no chance. It was going to be over. The, the, the way that it works, I think almost everyone listening to The Guy Benson Show, because I put you in the 99.9 infinity category in terms of product knowledge, but I'm just going to say it just to make sure. You have – first you vote whether – Governor Gavin Newsom should be recalled. Like years ago, Gray Davis, Governor Gray Davis, was in fact recalled. If you have the 50% plus one vote or more, then the election for the various candidates who are running simultaneous, it's two elections. You're deciding whether to recall Governor Newsom, and if you do recall him, then a governor is selected, and it's a very large field. So somebody, believe it or not, somebody like Republican Larry Elder could win with like 18 percent of the vote, something like that. Something to um, be thinking about, but it it is still early. Yesterday, and there's 
good coverage, excellent coverage at foxnews.com about this. The California Secretary of State's office reported that 21% of registered voters in California have cast their ballots, and I don't know what the breakdown is, and I don't believe they've given it, but the word is that it's largely Democrat, the early vote, which is the case uh, that we see in um, our general elections these days. Democrats vote early and seem to vote often. So there's about 11 days or so left to go until the September 14th deadline to either vote by mail or drop your ballot off in a secure box. I think at this point in time, it looks like Newsom will survive. We will see. And we will be right back. This is The Guy Benson Show. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Welcome to The Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Justin. I'm Harry Hurley filling in today. Guy will be back on Wednesday. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, we've made it to Labor Day weekend, and it seems like even during a pandemic, even during all this horrific death with the weather and everything that's going on, Afghanistan, that summer 2021 has just flown by. This is officially the happy hour, and I've never seen Dr. Mark Siegel at some point not smile. So even when things are serious, he does find a way to smile at some point. This qualifies then his appearance during the Guy Benson Show happy hour. On the Guy Benson Show newsmaker line is the distinguished doctor, Fox News medical correspondent, the author of COVID, The Politics of Fear and the Power of Science, Dr. Mark Siegel. Welcome to the show. How are you, Doc? Great to be back with you, Harry. Welcome to you and happy Labor Day weekend. Yes, sir. It's an honor to present you. Let's start with the uh, hospitals, because what I've been witnessing, and you, you live this, especially in the states with low vaccination participation, these hospitals are swamped. They're at 90 plus percent uh, limits. They're, in, in some cases, they're, they're at and beyond 100 percent even in the ICUs and so on. What's your assessment? Well, I think it's that the hospital criteria always lags a couple of weeks behind cases, and so we saw the cases zooming up over 100,000, um, especially in our southern states and Midwest. We expected that the hospitals would eventually follow suit because these are pre- predominantly people without any immunity, and those are the ones that get hit harder. We think that the Delta variant, now it appears that the Delta variant causes more severe disease in people without any immunity. And that's what you're seeing. Now, unfortunately, we're not out of this yet. We, st- we had 175,000 new cases over the past 24 hours. The death count's been over 1,000, and the hospitalizations are hovering at around 100,000. They're plateauing. But, you know, it's still a, in the states that are most affected, it's really a big problem. Dr. Siegel, does it appear that the Delta variant is doing here what it has done previously, say, in the United Kingdom and elsewhere? It seemed like it had a very rough six-week or so patch, and then it it started to wane. Do we feel like we're following suit with that? I don't know yet, because, first of all, it's roared back in the U.K., and the, the, the question really is, this is a much bigger country with much more diverse population. Can we get the vaccination rate up where it needs to be? Um, there's also the issue, of course, 
that when COVID, you know, scourges through a community, especially uh, the Delta variant, which is two to three times more contagious, that that it may burn itself out to some extent. And, I, and that's really not the right word. I don't like that word, yeah. but... For lack of a better word, burn itself out. One of the reasons we're not getting hit in the Northeast right now is because we got hit so badly before and we have had a a pretty high vaccination rate. Those two things together. Dr. Siegel, the various uh, vaccines, Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, how are they doing versus the Delta variant? They're doing well. I mean, they're doing well. You know, um, if you have two shots of the mRNA vaccine and you've gotten it within the past six months, they're doing well. They're not doing as well as the original iteration of the virus, um, but they are doing well, uh, better than, you know, than, uh, I don't want to say better than expected, better than feared, better than feared. Okay. And the pe- people that have had them recently, they're especially doing well. Now, we're starting to give out booster shots to People that are immunocompromised, that's a very good idea. And shortly in the next few weeks, we'll be giving them out to people that had them at the very beginning of the pandemic, especially the elderly. That's a very good idea. You know, we're seeing that work in Israel. Israel, we've seen people that got boosters uh, two weeks later, we're seeing 10 times fold protection than, than, than what they had before. Dr. Siegel, is this going to become the kind of thing like the flu vaccine where they, 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 this can even, I think, with the mRNA technology, I've heard, for example, the CEO of Pfizer say, basically give us like 45 days or something like that. And if we have a variant, we, we can target, tailor a vaccine that will be effective against that. I, I guess what I'm saying is we have the technology now to be very nimble, don't we? Yeah, but that's not so far that hasn't proven necessary because we don't want to ultra focus the vaccine on a particular variant and then ends up then it ends up being another variant that emerges. Exactly. What's most important about the vaccine is that it hits multiple targets on that spike protein so that it's useful against all these different variants. The vaccine itself has some flexibility to it, and we're seeing that and it causes memory cells and it causes T cell fun- it, it's really a very very effective vaccine. So, it's not like we what we thought initially that uh oh here comes a new variant we need a new booster that we're not having to do that yet good that i'm happy to hear that because i've heard them act of course they would say that because they can do it but that 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 it's not necessary is is a better statement fox news medical correspondent uh, correspondent dr mark siegel on the guy benson show newsmaker line if you are vaccinated and you and, and I, I know there's everything from viral load and these different things that you hear uh and so on and so forth but if you are a vaccinated two two um, two shots, if it's Pfizer, Moderna, and you contract the COVID nineteen, what is the typical result of someone who is vaccinated that still gets COVID nineteen? The vast majority of cases get very mild cases, even asymptomatic. We're seeing very few serious cases or hospitalization from people that are fully vaccinated that get the Delta variant. That, we're seeing more of that in Israel, which got the vaccine a little before us. So I would caution people again, that's why we're talking boosters. For those that had it a long time ago, January, February, it may be prudent to get a booster if you're in a higher risk group, and we're moving in that direction. Do we have an idea yet? I know Israel did a study, and President Biden actually appears to be pushing that um, shorter time frame. 
Do we know, for example, if someone has had that vaccine for 10 months, how protected are they? Do we know when someone needs the booster shot? Well, no, we don't. We, we know that, again, I, I rely on the Israel data. I'm not, you know, we're, we have a, a certain patriarchy here about that. Oh, you know, it, 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 provinciality, I should say. Yes. Oh, it's, it's Israel. Uh, you know, we can't, we're, we have a habit of always wanting our own data. But, but the Israel data is pretty convincing that after five or six months, your protection starts to drop off, at least in terms of mild infection. And mild infection, of course, isn't really the issue, because if you've got a cold or a little worse than a cold, I'm not trying to downplay that, but you're still pretty well protected. But the other issue is you tend to spread it more, even with a mild infection, if your vaccine is wearing off a bit. And then after five, six, seven months, we don't have the exact date yet, you're starting to see severe infections emerge, and that's what we really don't want to see. With what I, the Delta variant, we're not talking about the, the problem is the Delta variant stresses the vaccine more than previous, and that's the key. You want the most protection possible because the Delta variant is stressing the vaccine. So many people you know, heard loud and clear when it was said, you know, take the vaccine and the pandemic is over for you. And, and of course, then the Delta variant comes along and it sort of shakes shakes the whole thing up quite a bit. Uh, what do you say to people that just they're they're just exhausted uh, of all of this and, and, and hearing about new things coming back into play and masks again and all these different things? Is this I mean, it makes people think, is this ever going to end? I mean, even with no ventilators, no therapeutics, no nothing. The um, the 1918 Spanish flu, we had the Roaring Twenties a couple years after that. Is this going to pass, or we is there always going to be a new variant, and we're always going to be chasing this thing? Well, that's not going to happen. But I have to say, when it comes to 1918, we're not exactly sure what happened, why it went away. It's particularly question mark in the United States, which didn't get hit as hard as some of the other parts of the world. I could make a case for the fact that the whole world got it, or a mild version of it, but I, I think it's also possible it mutated away from serious disease. You know, the flu mutates wildly. The, co- the coronaviruses do not mutate the same amount. My point is that, over the, that what usually happens with a pandemic is that the virus mutates to a form that's wildly transmissible but only causes mild disease. That's what the virus wants. Yeah. The virus wants to survive. It doesn't care. It doesn't want to kill a toast. It does better when it's spreading and only causes mild disease. So that's where t- pandemics tend to go. But we haven't really seen that yet here at all. I'm surprised that the Delta variant is so virulent. You know, yeah. as I said, it, it, that's not what gives it a survival advantage that it gets you so sick. What gives it a survival advantage is how much it spreads. I tell you, though, with, the, with, that, with vaccines, which we didn't have in 1918, um, you're, you're going to see this fade for sure. Now, I can make it even easier for you, Harry. If 300 million people took this vaccine, we'd be out of this tomorrow. I know. I wish. I wish they would. I'm so pro-vaccine. It's just a shame that this became political and otherwise. Before you go, and I know you have to go any second now, it's Dr. Mark Siegel on the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline. How important is getting the flu vaccine and the COVID-19 vaccine because of the, the, the circumstances we find ourselves in? I talked to a flu expert about this today, and he's not as sure as I am that we're going to have a mild season this year. I'm convinced we're going to have another incredibly mild season this year because 
Australia's had another mild season, and we tend to look at Australia for what we see. We get, we're getting very high rates of vaccine uptake with the flu. People are afraid they don't want another. We have enough trouble with COVID. People, the wearing of masks and distancing and all this stuff actually works better for flu, by the way, than it works for COVID, because COVID is much more contagious. So my view is, but, but my flu expert that I spoke to today, and I've written books on flu, but he was saying, you know, the problem is some of our younger children I'm worried about, he said, because they haven't seen the flu. They didn't have it, have it last year. That's correct. So the more years that go on with vulnerable populations not having seen flu, the less immunity there is, the more of a risk. I think we'll have a mild flu season this year, but I don't think we can let down our guard on that. I, we, have, uh, we, have, we, we can get out of this COVID situation if we just get vaccinated. Agreed. Before you run, I know Moderna is working on it. Do you see the day where the flu vaccine and the COVID-19 vaccine will be one? Yeah, that's, that's, that's easy. I think that we're on the verge of being able to use mRNA technology for flu so you might see uh, an mRNA vaccine that covers the flu, too. Flu is tricky. I know it seems like flu is nothing compared to COVID, but flu mutates a lot. And flu can get you quite sick, too. Um, it's just that it's not as contagious. So the problem with COVID is it's very contagious, SARS-CoV-2, and then it causes all of this inflammation that's caused all this trouble. And, you know, thank God we have this vaccine. Yes. We're going to have therapeutics, too, Harry, by the way. We'll get, we'll get a small molecule drug. We're going to have a Tamiflu-type drug for COVID. Excellent. Dr. Mark Siegel, keep saving lives. Thank you, Harry. Thanks a lot. Have a really great day. Great you Labor too. Day weekend. You do the same, sir. We'll be back in just a little bit. More important content. Why? Because this is The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is the Guy Benson Show. Welcome back. Partnering with Christine Wyatt and Justin, I am Harry Hurley. Filling in today, Guy will be back on Wednesday. Uh, Let's have a great Labor Day weekend. And I hope the weather cooperates for everyone to have a wonderful time and maybe a little bit of time, downtime. It's been a tough year and uh, enjoy it. And obviously it's here. We always try to remember why the different holidays are here. This honors labor that obviously built much of this country and labors that came of age when employees were not being treated well and labor labor unions and other collective bargaining units were formed. So let's have a great Labor Day. And you always, I think it's great to have perspective because there are a number of people, and I take the calls, I get the emails, I can't even tell you over the past year and a half plus how many times I've had conversations about, oh, I'm not taking the vaccine because it has a GPS tracking device and the government's going to be tracking me. And I said, well, that's not true. It's not. There's nothing like that in there. The ingredients are transparent. It is what it is. Uh, and it's not that. And But that phone that's in your hand, I said, that's tracking you. You get into your car and it says you have 14 minutes until you get home. It knows your 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 habits. You go look at a, a shirt or a pair of pants or a bathing suit or a pair of sneakers or shoes or anything, and you decide not to pull the trigger and buy it, that that thing follows you around. Hey, are you sure you don't want to buy this? 
How did you know I, bought, I looked at that? We're tracked in your smart TV. We're tracked in ways that people don't even know. But it's not in the vaccine. But just by comparison, how about Australia? Flat out Orwellian. Greg Gutfeld recently spoke about this. There's a great piece up right now at foxnews.com about Australia debuting what you have to say is an Orwellian new app, smartphone app, that is using facial recognition and what's called geolocation to enforce the quarantine that's in effect. They have a 14-day quarantine right now for travel within the country. If, if you know anything about Australia, not, not that it's just 24 hours difference in time, that there, this area that I'm speaking about, the government of South Australia, which is one of six, one of the country's six states, and what they've put in place is this smartphone app with the facial recognition software and the geolocation technology to actually prove you wouldn't be able to disprove it. They will know if you're abiding by a 14-day quarantine for travel within the country. How about that? You, you may think that this particular government or in your state, I mean, I think, for example, I think Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan has been ridiculous with the way she has handled the COVID-19 pandemic. Short of that and a few other examples where, where people have gone way too far, because I'm a big believer in the vaccine. I've been a, I've been a champion of, of advocating for it because I know it saves lives. And it breaks my heart. I know people, and probably many of you listening right now know people, maybe some of them very close to you, that have actually either become very, very sick with what's called long COVID, uh, which is very debilitating. People that need oxygen and can't do the things they used to be able to do, zapped of vitality and all kinds of things. Uh, And then I know people that have died, and it is so tragic And in most cases, in fact, in all cases that I know, it's been unvaccinated folks. Whereas with the vaccine, and I know someone very close to me that was vaccinated, what they call the breakthrough cases, and recovered in five days, went from positive to almost asymptomatic, some mild symptoms for a couple of days, and within five days, tested negative. But here, by comparison... All the things that some of the what I call the unwilling that come up with reasons for why you won't take it. Look, if you, if you have a medical issue, allergic to the ingredients, you have a religious or a medical exemption. No, that that's understandable, understandable. But all the things that you think are happening in this country are really happening in this Australia example. It's the Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. Welcome to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Justin Harry Hurley. Filling in today for Guy, who will be back on Wednesday. We have one of the most important voices in America today, a very serious member of the United States Congress, the distinguished gentlelady from the great state of Tennessee, Senator Marsha Blackburn, just to tell you a little bit about how relevant she is. Uh, She serves on the following important committees, Commerce, Science, 
and Transportation Committees, Judiciary Committee, Veterans Affairs Committee, and Armed Services Committee. So what we're going to be talking about uh, in this segment, we're going to cover all these areas of responsibility. Senator Blackburn is the author of The Mind of a Conservative Woman Seeking the Best for Family and Country. It's an awesome read, and she hosts the podcast Freedom Rings. On the Guy Benson Show Newsmaker Hotline is Senator Marsha Blackburn. Senator, welcome back. It is good to join you. Thank you so much. Good to be with you, Senator, and thank you for your service. And these are serious times, as you know, very yeah. serious times. And this, when I saw that you did this, because, you, you, you know, you hear different people that will jump to conclusions and very quickly say very acerbic things for a very serious, respected member of the United States Senate, such as yourself, to be calling for the president, along with the vice president and other national security officials to resign for their non-performance. And I don't think we can call it anything other than that. I I believe in in a very serious moment of truth, it has to be one of the worst performances that has led to death, that has led to the Taliban being now a very well-armed military power. I mean, I can't believe I want to choke on those words. They're wearing our uniforms. They're they're parading around. They're mocking us. They're they're calling us, you know, names that we surrendered and all. Imagine what they're going to be doing, Senator Blackburn, on September 11th in a few days. This is terminable, this non-performance, isn't it? Yes, indeed it is. What we have to realize is this. Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, our NATO allies, our Afghan partners, our other allies that were in the region working, had all agreed on an exit strategy. We had a small contingency of troops there. We would have still had an embassy there, which would have given us insight into what was happening in Afghanistan. It was a conditions-based withdrawal based on the threat assessments and conditions on the ground. Well, Joe Biden decided that he didn't want that. He wanted a date certain withdrawal. That date was going to be September 11th. Yep. Why in the world? He said September 11th. I know. Well, we find out he wanted to take a victory lap. Yep. So what has happened, this is the war on terror. It was not the war against Afghanistan. It was the war on terror and still is. But we were fighting an ideology. They did not have a nation, a state, a statehood. They were an ideology. Now we have backed out of Afghanistan. Taliban has taken control. It is now the Islamic Emirate. Yep. They are going to be exporting terrorism, Mm -hmm. and they now have a country that they control. And all of this talk, I heard Antony Blinken's press conference today about what they were going to do and trying to work with the Taliban. You know, the thing is, you cannot have diplomatic relations with a terrorist organization that does not have diplomats. They are terrorists, and what they are doing to the Americans, to our SIV holders, people that worked with the embassy, they were drivers, they worked as part of the staff, Uh, they were translators, interpreters, intel sources. Many of these people will see their life ended 
because yep. of this. The Taliban is a brutal terrorist organization. They want to conduct a global jihad, and now they have a country where we have no presence, no eyes and ears, and this is what they're going to set about doing. Senator Blackburn, because the Democrats, and it's a shame in the Senate, I mean, it's a tie, but it's not a tie, and obviously it's very, very close in the House as well, but they have the power right now. They're not going to do serious investigations. For example, Nancy Pelosi has actually, Speaker Pelosi has commended, applauded Joe Biden for his performance on Afghanistan. I mean, you have to be unconscious to, to, to say something like that with how this went. So they're not going to investigate it. I, I believe that you will win the majority back uh, in the 2022 midterms. The House is for certain going to flip. That only needs to be five. You get 28 just by showing up. So that's going to happen. That's going to happen by more than that. And so the hearings will eventually come, whether it's now or it's later. But they're not going to do anything. They're going to pretend like nothing happened. Everything's great. But how could an American president, do you have any explanation? This is not on you, but I'm talking to you. So I'm asking you, do you have any explanation how an American president could leave Americans and all the people that you referenced and our canine dog soldiers? We should have got everybody out. How could this happen? It is just unexplainable until you stop and think, well, maybe they did this on purpose. Maybe it, their actions are intentional. And maybe they don't want to be tough on the Taliban and tough on China, who has been supporting the Taliban. Um, there, We know that they have moved forward with saying, let's, uh, let's head back into the Iran nuclear deal. So, um, Maybe this is this is what they're wanting to do. And, and, by, and by the way, if it's not, and I, 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 there would be a time in my life where I wouldn't even think that an American president could be that Machiavellian, that uh, diabolical, because obviously 13 military service members were killed. Countless other people have been killed. We're not getting a fair account of what's going on here. It, it is one of the most dangerous places on planet Earth right now. There is no Taliban 2.0. They're medieval. They're always going to be. And Senator Blackburn, it nauseates me when I hear, I can't believe I live to hear a Joint Chiefs of Staff chairman call them a working partner. It, it makes me, it's visceral with me, it makes me sick. I can't believe it. Well, it, you know, we know this is a terrorist organization and we know what they want to do. And we know that once they opened the gates of that prison at Bagram Airfield after yep. we vacated the airfield, that they released 5,000 ISIS, Taliban, Al-Qaeda fighters. And these terrorists, uh, they've already apprehended one in France. We've got an open southern border. Think about that. We've already apprehended known terrorists yep. at our southern border uh, this year, earlier this year. So we know that this makes us very vulnerable. And so you have to say, why did they do this? What was their intent? They had to know. We know from the phone call that was leaked that President Biden knew this was not going well. So his team has been suppressing information to the American people. 
And honestly, I think that this puts us in a lot of danger and that we are going to have to be very watchful. It has truly set us back as we work diligently, diligently to protect this country, to protect freedom and to protect freedom's cause. And what uh, the Biden team is doing, it makes no sense to me. So well said. The fact that we have uh, a, a Joint Chiefs of Staff chair that did not look at the president and say, hey, August 31st is a bad idea. Giving away Bagram Airfield is a bad idea. Leaving Americans and our partners uh, defenseless against a terrorist organization, that's a really bad idea. And this is why you're going to see a lot of investigations take place and try to get some answers. But I fully believe that for President Biden, Vice President Harris, uh, Antony Blinken, our Secretary of State, our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, uh, Mark Milley, General Milley, Susan Rice, who is, from what we understand, pulling a lot of the strings there on the West Wing, Uh, Wendy Sherman over at the State Department. These are all people that need to resign. This is scary. I mean, as you know, they refer to Ron Klain. It is scary. And they refer to Ron Klain as the prime minister. This is unbelievable what's going on. And I know you know this. I just want to say it so that you can react. The president in that George Stephanopoulos interview, and I give George credit for pushing him because he said, if Americans, what do you do? And, And the president said, we don't leave. We don't leave until we get every American home. He broke that word. Then he actually said in a press conference, that ISIS is no longer in Afghanistan. I mean, that's incoherent. That's that is dangerous. Well, it it is. You're correct about that. And the fact that all of this is going on, that the president does not appear to be in in charge is one of the reasons that we have been so active on this. You know, our office has handled 2,000 cases, 2,000 cases, trying to get Tennesseans, Americans, SIV holders, SIV applicants out of Afghanistan. And we still do not have a way forward. I understand from uh, Secretary Blinken that they're going to assign everybody in the list a caseworker. Well, I have to tell you, if other Senate offices have the number of cases that I have, they better have a whole lot of caseworkers. And it's going (laughs) to take people on the ground to get these individuals out of there. I've been impressed with some of the private efforts, and they've had our own government working against them. Obviously, it's very dangerous, and in normal circumstances, you don't want actors going rogue, and and, and because that can become very complicated for something. But the, the level of incompetence was so demonstrated so badly, the, the job they did, that I, I've been proud of the people that have been getting people out. It's, it's, been, uh, it's been impressive to see. In about, I know you have to go, we have to go in about three minutes. I want to go to a couple of, I could talk to you, I'm serious, for hours, Senator Blackburn, and we wouldn't repeat anything more than once about (laughs) Afghanistan. But let's go to some domestic issues that are very pressing here at home. These job numbers for July, for the month of July, which should have been boom time. And there were many people that had projected more than a million jobs would be created. So the number that they, they agreed on, 
sort of income averaging all of the the different geniuses out there. Seven hundred and twenty thousand jobs was the minimum expectation. We we had two hundred and thirty five thousand jobs created, and the president once again, just like he has bragged about Afghanistan, calling it an extraordinary success, which is is mind-boggling to hear him continue to say that and for Jen Psaki to repeat it day after day. Nobody believes that, and they can't possibly believe it. But this is something that's incontrovertible. That is a terrible job number, and we have your colleagues on the other side of the aisle that want to spend 3.5 plus 1.2 trillion plus, plus, plus. I mean, they want to spend in ways we've never seen before. I teed it up. Take it from here, Senator. And the three... Point five trillion is the opening mark. You yeah. know, they said, well, it's 4.2, and then we found out it actually is closer to 5. So that is what they're trying to spend. The 1.2 for the infrastructure bill, well, the House has said that's not big enough. And, of course, they already had spent 1.9. That was on COVID relief. Even though we had a trillion dollars out there, that had not been utilized. So here is where we are with that. If you have a child born today, that child holds $82,000 of U.S. debt. They've not earned a penny. They've never worked a day. But at this point, that is their share of the federal government's debt. What we also have to do as we look at this debt piling on and think about how this will compromise the future of our children and grandchildren, we have to look at who goes to market to buy our debt, to hold that debt. And the top three of the top holders, Japan, who is one, um, we also have China, who is number two, right behind Japan. And in the top five is the OPEC-producing nations. Now, here's the silly thing about uh, this. Joe Biden goes out and he kills the Keystone Pipeline. Right. Says you can't do it. Then he approves the Nord Stream for Russia, right. which puts money in their pocket. And then what do you see happen? Uh, tons of inflation. And then all. Let, let me just jump in real quick to tell you we have a hard break in 30 seconds, but I want to give you a chance to close. Go right ahead. And us up. And then what you're going to see is these OPEC nations, we're going to go buy our oil because we killed the Keystone Pipeline and we need more oil and transportation fuels. So we're going to spend money with these nations. They're going to buy our debt and then they have us over the barrel again. Senator Blackburn, it is very disturbing. You look at the evidence, it's mounting where he's working against America and he's helping Russia. He hurt Canada with the pipeline. He hurt us bad. Uh, This is uh, really piling up. Senator Blackburn, it is very, very nice to speak with you. Uh, Continued success. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye now. We'll be back in just a little bit. This is The Guy Benson Show. A fresh take on the biggest stories of the day. It's Guy Benson. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show, partnering with Christine Wyatt and Justin. I'm Harry Hurley, filling in today for Guy. Guy will be back on Wednesday. And Guy, thank you for the opportunity. It's a privilege. Uh, You're a classy, classy individual. And it is an honor to, to share your microphone every once in a while. Uh, I want us to remember 
to remember if if we can on this extended Labor Day weekend the those lost and to remember the families who have experienced such impossible loss gold star moms and dads who have who have buried children it's it's unnatural for a parent to ever outlive their child the pain is unimaginable and it's why it was exacerbated by the ones that have gone public to say how they felt they were treated and a commander in chief looking at his watch i mean some bad i mean it was a bad thing remember when george H., uh, george h w bush looked at his watch at a time i think they were asking like what's the cost of a gallon of milk or something this is life and death people died and he's looking down on his watch five times it's um it's despicable it's dishonorable to the victims of hurricane ida the victims in the gulf coast when it was a hurricane at 150 plus miles per hour, when it then incredulously morphed into a tornado cyclone and wiped out 49 more lives at least, and it just keeps growing. Right before airtime, it was 45. During the program, it went to 49. That's across four states, uh, including my home state of New Jersey, hit hard by the storm Wednesday evening to our 13 service members, who were killed in Afghanistan, and that never should have happened because an entirely different strategy should have been in place. Let's remember to remember on this extended Labor Day weekend those lost and the families that are grieving their impossible losses. I am Harry Hurley on behalf of Guy Benson, Christine, Wyatt, and Justin. Enjoy your weekend. God bless America. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.